Hey everybody, this is Hunter Williams. Today is going to be episode 115 of the NeuroEdge podcast. The name of today's episode is The Decline of the Dollar. And taking things a little bit off course of where we normally talk about health, self-development, health optimization, all those things. And I'm going to talk today a little bit more about what's in your wallet, what's in your pocket, and that is dollars. Now, this podcast and this project is to help you learn how to be the highest performing and best version of yourself. For most of us in this day and age, that involves some sort of job, some sort of career, some sort of work that we do. And why do we do? Do you ever stop and ask yourself, why do we do the jobs that we do? Why do we do the work that we do? Why do we spend the majority of our day usually doing something that we probably would not be doing if we had our preferences. Obviously, everybody would like to do something all day that they enjoy doing, they think it's fun, and some people are blessed to be able to do that. Some people aren't. Some people have to work and toil and do things they don't want for a living, whether that's because they have a family, they have to provide for, or you name it. So we're in the system, and we find ourselves here. We all have jobs, and we all do these things, and we all are trying to make money and improve the prospects and have a better life most of us. And when we do that, what are we doing it for? Well, at the end of the day, it boils down to the fact that we are working for dollars. We are working to have our money given to us. We're working for currency. We go to a place and put in our labor, whether that's mental, physical, whatever it is, in the hope for US dollars. And today I'm going to talk about why it's important to understand this and understand the framework for what that means for you going forward in the shifting economic landscape that we're going to be in in the next 10, 15, 20 years, depending on how old you are. And I think it matters for whatever age you are, whether you're a teenager or you're in your 80s or 90s. So that being said, as always, before I jump on into the meat and potatoes of everything, don't forget to check out the group in the link and description below and come on over to the inside insider's access, direct access to me, Q&A, and hopefully I'm going to be doing some Q&A episodes soon once I get enough questions. So don't forget that, as always, a shameless plug. And for the listeners out there, whether you are listening to this live on the podcast or 300 years in the future from now, don't forget to check it out. I won't be around, but that's okay. The spirit of what I'm inspired to do from the people that I learn from, my friends, my family, and my community will live on. So that being said, let's talk about the decline of the US dollar. Before I get everything, I have some slides prepared. I wanted to talk about this idea. Again, we work for dollars. So our work is for the sake of dollars. We are working to try and get dollars into our bank account so that we can pay our rent or our mortgage, have a place to live, shelter, food, clothing, all the bare necessities. And for the most part, most people do this on a daily basis and they don't have a large surplus. So they don't have a massive surplus of dollars in their pocket. Now, some people more than others, and as you work and accumulate capital over time, this grows. And think about this idea of capital accumulation. So as we work, we accumulate capital. That leftover capital, the savings that we have, is basically the surplus of our labor. 
So we contribute a certain amount of labor to the economy and the surplus of that above and beyond what we spend on our expenses is our savings. So think about all the money that you have left at the end of the day, once everything is paid, maybe you don't, and that could be a problem. But think about all the money that you have left at the end of the day as your surplus labor. It's the leftover from the labor that you've done. Now, when you have that capital, you want to take that capital and redeploy it into something that over time will increase. And you do that by reinvesting in the economy, reinvesting in stocks, real estate, investments, all these different things. That's what those are designed to do. So you help contribute to the overall economy by investing your surplus capital and labor into the economy. And it helps other people grow and then thereby growing your capital base so that when you reach the age of retirement, or even if you don't ever plan to retire, but as you get older, you grow this capital base and it appreciates over time so that you have something left to show for all the work that you've done in your life. Now, why does this matter? Well, it matters because that's all well and good if that's actually happening. But what is happening in this economic environment is the Federal Reserve is printing a lot of money. Interest rates are extremely low. And as this quickens and as this compounds upon itself, I'm going to explain this in detail with facts and figures in just a second. But as this process moves along, the actual value of a dollar becomes less and less. And so as you are working, the savings that you are having, if those savings are left in U.S. dollars, are becoming less valuable. So the Federal Reserve, when they are doing this, they are actually putting you in a form of indentured servitude because they are taking the capital that's left over from the labor that you have and are minimizing it. So that one year from now, the $100 that you saved from working last month is only worth $88. And then you take that over two years, five years, 10 years and extrapolate it out. How much less the capital you are earning as a result of your surplus labor is becoming devalued. Now, there's a good way to fight against this and be smart and be intellectually sound and financially sound. But you've got to understand this from a big picture standpoint. This is the economic environment we live in. We cannot change it. As I always talk about, you don't want to be a victim. We are sovereign and we are in control of our lives. This is just the nature of what we live in as Americans or really anywhere else in the world because this is really a global phenomenon. It's not just specific to the U.S. dollar. It's probably worse than the United States than some other countries. But this is how central banks are operating. And again, it's not good. It's not bad. It just is what it is. And we have to understand that. And we cannot put our faith in the U.S. dollar. We can't put our faith in the fact that we're going to have savings, that we invest those savings in the stock market or whatever. We have to be smart about understanding how assets work over time. And I'm going to explain all, all that today. So let's hop on over, share the screen, and let's rock and roll on this. Talk about the decline of the dollar. And again, the purpose of this today is not to scare anybody to do anything like that. The purpose is just to inform you, to educate you, and to understand what's going on with this hidden hand that a lot of us don't see on a daily basis because we're involved in it, we're in the workplace, we're doing things, we're busy, we have friends, we have family, and sometimes we lose sight of this. So the first thing I have here is a chart, and this is from the 
St. Louis Federal Reserve. And what this shows is basically the amount of currency in circulation. So this is a chart of the amount of currency in circulation. And so you see this chart is kind of on an uptrend, gradual uptrend, which makes sense if you adhere to the fact that the Federal Reserve controls everything and they are in charge of the money supply. However, this like 2012 window, and if you're just listening to this, just listen along. Around 2012, we see this huge upsurge in the amount of currency in circulation. And so in 2012, we had just surpassed, let's see, this is in billions of dollars. And so this is currency in circulation. So it passed 1,000 billions, otherwise known as a trillion. So that's in 2012. So we surpassed that right before 2012. And now here we are in 2021. And look at what happened. I mean, obviously, this is on a gradual upturn, but look at what happened after 2020 and into 2021. We just surpassed $2 trillion of currency in circulation. Again, this is currency in circulation, so it's money that's being changed hands currently. So within the last nine years, the amount of currency in circulation has doubled. Now, that might not sound profound, but just think about that for a second. The amount of money that is in circulation in our economy in terms of dollars has doubled. Now, does that mean that the economy has doubled? I think not. Maybe the stock market obviously has, but has the average person made double the amount of money that they were in 2012? I would argue no. Actually, when you look at real wages since 1974, when you adjust for inflation, they've stayed completely flat, which is why people, and I think this is why we have a lot of political disrest, economic disrest among the population today, because we're seeing the effects of this and it's having socioeconomic effects on our society. But just think about this for a second. The amount of dollars in circulation has doubled in just a 10-year window. And so I don't know what the exact stat is, but I believe that 40% of all the money that has ever been printed as U.S. dollars has been printed since 2014. So think about that for a second. What does that mean to the money that you're earning? If you have more of the money that you're earning out there, it means the money that you're earning is less. Has your income gone up 40% since 2014? Maybe. Hopefully it has if you're a business owner or in control of your financial destiny. But just think about this. The value of the dollar is becoming worthless. And this is only, and you see this chart, it's on an exponential. It's like in the very beginning of a J curve where this is just going to take off. And who knows where it's going to go in the next 10 years. But as long as we're on this trajectory, this is where it looks like it's going. The value of the dollar is declining. So again, almost half of all money, like I just said, has been printed since 2013. Wages are not going up. Again, think about that. Since 1974, when you adjust for inflation, wages have not gone up for the average person. What does that cause? What caused people to have to live off credit? So they have a mortgage, car payment, and they're living paycheck to paycheck. 
think 40% of Americans couldn't write a check for $400 today out of their own bank account. How sad is that? That that's the state of financial affairs. And it's not because people don't work hard. Yes, some people work harder than others. Yes, some people are bums and choose not to work hard. But most people are good people and they want to work hard. Unfortunately, they're in this economic infrastructure system that has created a form of indentured servitude on the populace because of the increase, increased printing of the U.S. dollar. So you have people living off credit. And then this also causes people to become rent-seeking. And so now we hear about all this with the Great Reset. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy, right? I have a nothing against owning nothing. I'm actually more of a minimalist myself. I try to own fewer amount of things just because I have less headache and I can focus on creating the things I want in my life and I don't become beholden to my material possessions. However, that is not when I when it comes to owning assets, I want to own assets because that means I have wealth, not trinkets, not a nice house and a nice car, blah, blah, blah. I want to own assets. However, this inflation causes the whole population to become rent seeking, where it becomes very increasingly difficult for them to actually buy assets and they have to rent those assets. They have to rent their house. They have to rent their car. They have to rent everything that they use on a day-to-day basis. And at the end of the month, they spent all their money on rent and they can never accumulate the capital needed to acquire their own assets. And this causes it to become harder and harder to acquire resources over time, which eventually on a macro scale is going to widen the wealth gap, widen the inequality gap. And so this is where we're headed. And you've seen it the last 10 years, even if you never heard this until today, you see the effects just in terms of the environment that we live in, the political landscape, the economic landscape, how people relate to each other. All of this is coming from this tension that we have because people are more anxious about where their next meal is coming from. And I think that has a ripple effect through society. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to be a victim of this. So I brought up this stat and I think I got this from Zero Hedge. So this says, how concerned are you right now about inflation in the United States? 6% said, I'm not sure. However, 42% said they are very concerned. 35% said they are somewhat concerned. And 17% said they are not at all concerned. So let's see, what is that? 77% of people in the United States are concerned about inflation. That is a staggering number. This is something that most people don't have in the brain in terms of an economic bearing on things. Not a lot of people are deep into economics and wanting to learn about economics. I think it's important because at the end of the day, it's how we use resources or use our resources to allocate to the things that we deem important to ourselves. But 77%, and this is from uh, March 23rd to March 24th of 2021, so about a week ago, 77% of people are concerned about inflation in the United States. And this goes a little bit deeper, breaks it down by age, so it says, how concerned are you right, right now about inflation in the United States? So between the ages of 18 and 24, 52% are very concerned 25 to 34, 50% are very concerned. 35 to 54, 48% are very concerned. 55 plus, 37% are very concerned. 
And I thought this was interesting because you usually think about older people being a little bit more economically savvy. However, it seems like the younger people are the ones that are more concerned about inflation, and rightfully so, because it's going to be them that have to deal with it as they become the ones that are entering the workforce and take management and leadership positions in the workforce over time. So I thought that was very interesting and enlightening to an extent that uh, the younger generation seems to be more concerned than older people right now with inflation. And I think that's something, maybe there is a subconscious intelligence going on there where they understand it. So this is a graph from Google Trends, and it just tracks inflation over time in terms of the search interest. And we see where it was up a lot in you know this 2004 to 2007 timeframe, and it kind of tapers off after 2010. And then recently, just in the last year or so, there has been a major spike in the interest in the term inflation. And I think it's interesting because when you look at something like Google, not a huge fan myself, but it is a good tracker of kind of this mass hive mind intelligence because they're tracking all of our data. So they can see all of these things. And it's interesting to note that inflation, just in terms of an interest over time, is almost at an all-time high, at least since they've been able to track this on Google. So this is definitely out in the ether now. It is something that people are becoming more and more conscious of. And like we talked about the last slide, I think it's interesting. A lot of young people are concerned with this as well. Now, what I want to talk about is we look at inflation. We look at the dollar. What is this doing to everything else in our lives? And so people are starting to feel it now. Gas is going up. All these different things are going up. It's almost impossible to find a house in a reasonable price range. I work in real estate and now you see it. It's almost impossible for anyone to be able to buy a house depending on what market you're in. And so I thought this was a cool chart to show you in just the last 12 months, how much prices have gone up on average for things. So at the top, we have Ethereum and Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency obviously has taken off. I could talk about that. Let me know if you guys are interested in hearing about cryptocurrency and my thoughts on that. I have done pretty well over the last year uh, just for my own research and being able to understand the crypto markets. But Ethereum up 683%, Bitcoin up 363%. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of real things that actually affect your life your food, your housing, your transportation, all those things. Lumber up 115%. Soybeans, and this is the price on average of these. Soybeans up 59%. Silver up 55%. Copper up 46%. Corn up 45%. Cotton up 30%. Think this soybeans, corn, think about your groceries. How much is made out of those things? Now I try to, again, stay away from those in my diet. But think about how much that's affecting food prices. Cotton up 30%, how much that affects clothing prices. Coffee up 25%, the S&P 500 up 20%. I would argue because companies are buying back their shares, artificially driving up the price of their stocks. Gold up 17%. Interesting that all these other things are up so much whereas gold is not, who knows why. Crude oil up 16%, that's probably gonna be up even much more. Wheat up 16%. U.S. home prices up 10%. And the U.S. consumer price index as of February 10th, 2021, up 1.4%. So you look at all those things, those are all monumental commodities and 
things that affect our day-to-day lives, eventually that is going to have massive systematic effects on how we live our lives as the prices of these things keep increasing. And it's really because inflation of the dollar. So what can we do about this? Well, me and you can't print, can't control how much money is printed. At the end of the day, that's up to the government. However, we can be smart with how we allocate capital. And again, this goes back to the idea that your savings is the surplus of your labor. Do you want your labor to have gone to waste? I know I don't. I know I work extremely hard every day and I want that to mean something down the road so that I have a surplus to show for it. At the end of the day, what do we do? Well, we invest in things that cannot be printed. So how do we avoid this? What do we do with our surplus labor? We invest in things that are harder to acquire and can't be printed by 12 people sitting in a room and saying that we want more of it. So here are some ideas. Silver. I think silver is going to be huge going forward. It's already really, really hard to be able to buy any physical silver. Yes, you can go buy an ETF, SLV, and go buy that right now. However, that's just a paper form of silver that tracks the price of it in terms of getting your hands on real silver. I think it's not only going to be a monetary unit most likely going forward in the world, but also it's involved in different manufacturing processes and is a needed asset in those and is much harder to acquire than something like gold. Obviously, number two, Bitcoin. Again, Bitcoin cannot be printed. There are only a certain number of Bitcoin that will ever exist. I believe the number is 21 million. You cannot print more Bitcoin. And so what's going to happen to this? Well, we've already seen that Bitcoin has network effects and it's being introduced and kind of taking hold within the underlying infrastructure of the financialization of our economy. So it's taking hold in these different things. And right now, I think it's probably even being held down more so than it will be in the future because banks want to be able to make money off this. They want to be able to charge fees off of it in the future. And so they're setting up the infrastructure right now to be able to do so. So Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, there's a lot out there. Obviously, caveat mTOR, understand what you're getting into. And again, if you guys want me to talk more about that and how I can help you in that, just let me know. Obviously, gold. Like silver, like Bitcoin, you cannot print more of it. They are it's very difficult to mine. So at least there is some sort of scarcity built into it. Whereas with the US dollar, like we've seen, 40% printed since 2014. Next thing is land. And as you may know, I work in real estate and the real estate market is insane right now. It is almost impossible to get your hands on anything, whether that's raw land, houses, any type of real estate, even commercial real estate, which you would think would be counterintuitive with COVID going on. Obviously, this is pending what market you're in. If you're in a big city, it might not be the case. However, if you go out into the places of America where land is abundant, there are a lot of people trying to gobble it up. And again, land, they are not making any more of it. So think about that just in terms of your future. Try to invest in land. Business. And I just put this on this slide. So we talk about all these things and investing in assets, but I think a lot of people miss the idea of investing in a business, a business that you can run and actually create a service to other people. A business can be an asset just like anything else, especially if you're smart about how you build the infrastructure and then remove yourself. And think about building a business is just like building a machine. You want to be able to build it and then remove yourself from it so that it runs 
on its own. And eventually maybe one day you can sell it. But I think businesses are going to be something, obviously, as long as there's people here, we're going to need businesses. And if you can be smart about how you invest your surplus into other businesses, whether that's through starting your own small business, investing with another business, anything like that, or even investing in the stock market, um, just be smart about how you do it because sometimes the stock market can be artificially propped up. And at the end of the day, I just put on here commodities. So we've got all these different things, grains, corns, rocks, uh, different metals, uh, oil, coffee, water, all of these things. The future is about resources. It's going to be about the control of resources. As the dollar becomes less and less valuable, resources are going to become harder and harder to get. We've already seen disruptions in the supply chain with things going on around the world today. So just remember that resources are going to be key going forward. So what does the future look like? Well, I truly believe we will always adapt no matter what situation we are given. That is what humans do. That is why we're here. We are the descendants of people that adapted and fought to be able to live on this planet and create a community. Again, I do not focus on gloom and doom, only opportunity. So as you think about this, again, I'm not saying this is good or bad or right or wrong. Just understand this is where we're at and how to position yourself in the future for the utmost abundance that you can have in your life. Again, stay focused on the external environment. Read things out there and not necessarily mainstream things. Look for things like this, information channels like this, where it's actually crowdsourced intelligence, people that understand what's really going on. Look for clues going about what's going on. Trust your intuition. So obviously this is going inside yourself. Listen to someone like Sunil Gatsi, who came on my podcast a few weeks ago um, about understanding your intuition and what to do. If you're listening to this right now, I don't believe it's an accident. And so by becoming exposed to this information, you now have a responsibility to do something with it. Again, we live in one of the most information abundant times. There's no excuse not to know anything. So if this is something that you are feeling the tug to say, man, I really need to make a change in my life or at least change how I understand finances and things like that, there's no excuse not to know. It's your responsibility to go out and learn these things. And again, you can only trust your own judgment. So at the end of the day, it will always come down to you. We are 100% sovereign for our own lives. Again, this podcast is not about painting doom and gloom. I'm not one to do that, but I do want you to understand what's going on in the future. So I will close out with this. In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes, Benjamin Franklin. So again, this goes back to the idea, we can't be certain about what the future, I don't know what the price of any of these assets will be in the future. I do know where it looks like we are headed, however. And as old Ben Franklin said, nothing is gonna be certain except death and taxes. So always understand that and then understand that you are in control of your future. You are the one that is in charge of your life and you determine your skill set and how you live your life on this planet. So I just want to leave you with that. I thank you so much for tuning in today. Hopefully it was helpful. Let me know your feedback. If you like more episodes like this, obviously this is my background on a lot of things on what I talk about in terms of finance and business and things like that. So let me know what you think about that. And I will talk to you guys soon. Peace. <laughs>